senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 42. It's the answer <laughs> to life and universe. And No, it's not. No, it's not. But, <laughs> but like Hitchhiker's Guide, <laughs> God damn it, do I have toys this week. You sure do. We, uh, we've been talking about it for quite a long time, how we've been doing this show on a little travel mixer and doing the best we can with it and... Now that the room is finally clear, it's make no mistake, it is not currently clear now because I had a massive delivery yes. of sound equipment. So we've got an actual mixer with like more than two channels. I know. And a, a, a table to set it up on so we're not just sitting in front of our computer desks, barely able to see each other as we talk. Yeah, this whole like direct eye contact thing's a little unnerving. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to establish dominance. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, except you're establishing it on me. It's <laughs> it's being turned back on me. I am failing as a human being. This is the Amanda show. I am here to Damn run the straight. board. <laughs> but, so yeah, all this shit got delivered on like Wednesday and Thursday. And the, the funny and ironic thing is I worked in radio for two or three years. I know. But I've never set up a mixer. <laughs> Like, I walked in the radio station, they're like, this is what these things do. And then, what do these things do? Yeah, you don't want to touch those don't things. Touch <laughs> so, yeah, I've got this 16-channel behemoth. Are you going to have, like, board op nightmares now about your new mixer? Um, I just want to know what I should be prepared for. I, I should not, because the difference between radio and this is, with, <laughs> with radio, it's a constant, you know, particularly when I started at radio, Nothing was computer controlled. It was all CD players and mini disc players, and so it was constant. You know, fire one thing and fade the other thing down, and get the next thing ready. And this is, for the most part, set up and go. Now there are a few, <laughs> there are a few things that are different, and I swear to God, this is the only episode I'm going to do this. It's okay. the only one. But oh, I, I now, at, at one point or another, over the last three or four days, I have had almost every piece of computer or electronic equipment I own wired into this mixer to see if I can get it to do shit. <laughs> I've had like tablets and cell phones and my laptop and I've had Amanda talking to me on Skype from the computer two feet over there to oh, see. Oh yeah, you had, you had shit wired up in here. I thought you were going to try to bring a Barbie to life like it was fucking weird science or some shit. Do you think that would work? Can we try that later? <laughs> Buy the Barbie on your dime. <laughs> I, I don't need a sex doll. I need some dupe to go to my day job tomorrow. All right, it's only going to work if you wear one of my bras on your head, though. You know that, right? Why is that different than any other Sunday <laughs> night? What, what are you saying? But so yeah, I, I swear I'm not going to do this all the time. But I'm, I have the ability now, if I want to, to go like full morning zoo. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I can do weird Fuck's crap sake. like that. It's wacky. <laughs> I could go full wacky. You want full wacky? Oh, Christ. Everybody be cool. You be cool. <laughs> See, I, I like that clip. Well, I just feel dirty. Though. And that's that's why I got that one for Please you. Please tell me you don't have cowbell. Um, uh, for the I love of Jesus, tell me you do not have cowbell. I don't have cowbell, Thank but God. if we get, you know, part of the reason we were doing the <laughs> Skype thing is we're hoping to have guests. And With if we, cowbell? 
Uh, yeah, sure, but they'll have to bring their own because I spent too much money on this shit. But if if we get the right guest, we can we can go with this. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. So oh, fuck's sake. I, I got a lot that you would like. Son of a bitch must pay. So I, I like that one. But yeah, see, this I is all under fair use. Don't sue us. Oh yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, believe me, we're mocking it. <laughs> um. So yeah, just I spent about. 45 minutes just looking for stupid things that I will never use again <laughs> because I, I feel dirty just using them in this context of <laughs> and you should uh, look let's let's go full morning zoo I got a bad feeling about this as I should <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this <laughs> but it, it's just how we produce the show this movie was shot in 3B three beers and it looks good eh? it does look good <laughs> Uh, head desk. She can't I'm just going to say head desk. You were talking about eye contact. You can't even <laughs> fucking look at me right now. No, no, I can't. That, that's okay. I can handle it. I have come here to chew bubblegum <laughs> and kick ass. You're looking I'm at me like... You're looking at me like I walked in with my balls exposed. <laughs> that's a really excellent spot on the floor I'm looking at. <laughs> Hey, good morning, everybody. It's the Chrysler Infinite Midlands Morning Zoo. God damn it, I'd piss on the spark plug <laughs> if I thought it'd do any good. All right, I'm going to stop doing that now. <laughs> I swear I will never do that again. It's just, it's one of those things. I, I have it, and if I didn't do that just now, I would never be able to. Is it out of your system? I think so. You think so? We'll, we'll see. Are how, you sure? We'll see how it goes as the show goes on. Okay, I, I just don't want to find ourselves suddenly later on hearing that they took the whole bar, the whole fucking bar. Oh, I forgot to get that one. Good. I had that one. <laughs> I, had, I had that one on my tablet, but when I hooked that up, it had the unfortunate tendency to occasionally blast at nine thousand decibels without any kind of warning right into my head. So oh, that's that's too fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> And the sad thing is, yeah, this thing has been great for these stupid clips, but then I said, well, why don't I try to do something actually comics-related with it, and I found a recent video with just some jokey quotes from uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky, mm -hmm. and I tried to turn those into into things that I could play on here, and it completely tanked. Because I'm still not used to playing with this shit. You know, I, I can get, I got a bad feeling about this to work, but the actual stuff I should use it for, I'm still going to need a little practice. Well, we're we're appreciative of what you came up with so far. Yeah, I can <laughs> tell by the sneer and look of horrid, dis horrified disdain that you've got in your face. I'm only mostly gripping this microphone with a complete white knuckle. Just, <laughs> dear God, why is my whiskey downstairs? <laughs> oh, what can I tell you? Yes, I'm a Mormon. That's why I just smoked a pack of Newport and drank three vodka tonics. All right, that's the last. God one. damn it, Rob. <laughs> I swear that's the last one. Uh -huh. That's the last one I got. <laughs> I won't do it anymore. Uh, so yeah, the point being, we now have equipment to do cool stuff. We're not doing cool stuff right now. I'm no, you're abusing it. I'm fucking around like you know, wacky and the fart from Middle Market Morning Zoo. Wacky and the fart. <laughs> I don't think that would get us get us kicked off of iTunes. So yeah, I, just, I had to get it out of my system. I'm not going to do that anymore. Okay. But yeah, it's now we have the capability. Like I said, we did a proof of concept that Skype will work. So maybe we can get the odd guest on here now and again. That's something we're going to start looking at. We're trying to make it more interesting and, and yeah, more like a radio show. Again, I did do radio for a while. You did. So 
Hear that, guys? Skype. You guys can reach out and touch us, gentle listeners. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a Skype account <laughs> yet. And believe me, I'm not giving my personal one out. <laughs> not that that one's ever turned on. I think the first time I was on in a year was, yeah, can you call this one? I couldn't even remember the password. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, this is exciting for us because, yeah, now we've got all this cool stuff to play around with, but it doesn't ultimately change that. It's still not a show about the cool shit we did to do the show. That's about as meta as you can humanly yeah. guess. So, um, so yeah, one of the things we wanted to address, even though, yeah, I know it was more than a week ago, but what the what can I tell you? We've, we've got lives, have <laughs> shit to do. I had all this stuff to play with this week, so we finally caught up with the finale of Doctor Who. Yes. Um, and I asked you five minutes before we started what the name of the episode was. Uh, I think it was called Death in Heaven. Okay. So, so yeah, the first season with Peter Capaldi, you know, was is now completely done. Um, this chair really leans back. <laughs> yeah, you should be careful with that chair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lean back. <laughs> that was this. like the cheapest, like Staples chair. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> we've got a, a mixer here that costs several hundred dollars, and my ass is plugged in like a forty dollars Staples yeah. chair. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that'll be next one thing at a time. But uh, so yeah. It, Watching this episode, it really, I think it's the first time it really hammered home to me that I don't know how it has been historically, but right now, Doctor Who really is, it's a comic book. Yeah. It's, you know, the recurring villains that always come back for the big events. This time it was, by the way, we're going to spoil the living shit out of this, as if, we if always do. If you've somehow do. not seen the Doctor Who finale at this point. He dies, and I can't believe, no. It's <laughs> if it's just been sitting there on your DVR waiting for a special occasion, Oops. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go into it. Look, I would stall, but I, I've used all my stupid movie things, so I can't even stall with that. Yeah, let's let's talk about stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, big recurring villains for the big events. So we had the, the Cybermen, and it turned out that Missy the Dominatrix is actually the master, which you yeah. called early on, I think. I don't know if it was me or Pixie Sticks, honestly. Because I don't, I don't listen to myself when I talk. Um, <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, don't try, I try not to but listen to you. Yeah, if, if, if any of you all listeners want to go back and, and take a listen, uh, it was near the beginning of of the Doctor Who run. Actually, it was right after the, the premiere of season eight. So Yeah, well, she showed up in the premiere, didn't she? I think like so, yeah. Like at the yeah. very end. Yeah, and we were all like, who the hell is she? Yeah. <laughs> I think Pixie Sticks called yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I called maybe that it was the TARDIS. Yeah. So, I thought I said the Ronnie, and everybody looked at me. See, I, to this, I still when we watched it yesterday, the, the Ronnie. What, what is the Ronnie? Uh, it's a female Time Lord, Batty, from like, uh, I think Peter Davison's run as the Doctor. I think now has he or she shown up since? No. Okay, so it's not something. Might have been Colin Baker's run. Honestly, it's been a while. All right, so if you're somebody like me who's only been watching since the reboot in 2005 or the continuation, whatever you want to call it, the relaunch. Yes. You have no idea who this is. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like, brain damage. Me and Lance now. Okay. So, <laughs> so, okay, it's not... I do have brain damage, but that's not the reason I don't know who the nah. Ronnie is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd Google her, but like my computer's all the way over there now that I'm on this fine leather couch yeah. where I can make eye contact with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shitty trade, and you shouldn't have made it. <laughs> You're in my chair. 
we still got some stuff to work out. <laughs> what can I tell you? Um, and yeah, the thing is, this has to be killing Stephen Moffat. Because we, as we were going through the commercials, we stopped on the fast forward on the DVR, and they had one of the, the at least BBC America does these sort of making of things yeah. like between act two and three. And it was Peter Capaldi saying, oh, I'm so psyched to be going up against uh, the Master and the Cybermen. And <laughs> all before Moffat's time, all Moffat's been able to come come up with are the Weeping Angels. Yeah. You know, which he has already done to death. It's got to be killing him. Oh, i got to go back to this other well. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're Scott Snyder and and you come up with the Court of the Owls, you're still psyched to write about the Joker because he keeps writing about the fucking Joker. So... <laughs> True, but he does it well, so I'm okay with that. No, but my point being that I, I, I think if you're, even if you're the showrunner, if you're as big of a mega fan of the show as you ought to be to be running it, it should be a little thrill every time you go back to the well on the classic vill- villains. Okay, that makes sense. I hadn't really thought of it that way, even though I'm the one saying it's a comic book. But yeah, I suppose it's like anything else. If you threw me into the Star Wars world and I got to write Luke Skywalker or you know, the Imperial Guard, I'd probably be psyched about it. Well, I mean, we're going to later on in the show talk about Convergence, and uh, Greg Rucka is going to be writing Rene Montoya oh, um, yes. and Harvey Dent, and of course you write that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that, you have to do that. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I mean, you don't come up with some wacky new villain for Montoya just because, oh, I want to do something different. <laughs> well, and particularly there is a... I've read at least most of No Man's Land, uh, the big Batman event from like 99 or 2000, and I don't think you have. And Montoya and Harvey Dent have a relatively big storyline in that, so there's some history between yeah, them. Yeah, and then it plays out in Gotham um, Central. Yeah. So yeah, there's history there right out of the gate. Yeah. So yes, of course you do that. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> this shows enough. <laughs> this shows enough of a mess without getting distracted by that. Would you like me to play more movie clips? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> there was a legitimate. I, I think I want to go back to the other situation <laughs> because she gave me a look of such utter disdain, like you pile of shit. How could you, I told you not to get all those stupid sputtering clips. apoplectic, and then I managed to say fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my life, and I love it. <laughs> But yes, um, and yeah, there's serious continuity going on. Yes. I mean, the one thing that you pointed out that I would have had no idea, and, and the name still escaped me, the dead general yeah, whose daughter is like the head of... Unit. Yeah. Um, what, what was... What are Brigadier the uh, Leftbridge. Leftnut? Uh, what? <laughs> Stuart. um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he 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 was the original head of unit back in like the Tom Baker run. Okay. And um he yeah, he's a brigadier general. Um and he died um just in the last few years actually the actor died. So it it was sort of a big deal to create a new character bringing the daughter on the scene as the new head of unit and it, since we're going with spoilers anyway, Missy, formerly known as the Master, um, <laughs> yes, has has figured out a way to um, get Cybermen to replicate themselves out of the dead. So they they have found a way 
to turn the Cyberman story into sort of a quasi-zombie story. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even quasi. I mean, yeah, they were in armor, but when you've got the dead crawling from their graves and wandering around aimlessly for a while, that's a fucking zombie story. Yeah. That was one thing that hit me. They were throwing everything at the <laughs> wall. It's like, there's still exposed wall. What can we throw at that? <laughs> Can we do a zombie story with the Cybermen? Sure, Steve. Why not? It's a you know what was cool that scene where Iron Man was flying next to the airplane in Iron Man Three. Can we do that? Yes, yeah, Steve. Whatever you want. Just can you let me call my family and let them know I'm okay, Steve? Yeah, that 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 glowing blue dot in the center of the Cybermen begins to look more and more like a little arc reactor. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Every time they redesign the the yeah. armor just a little bit. Oh yeah, this could be Iron Man Mark Forty Two. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Buster armor? <laughs> Dr. Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. That's, I will. That, I've, I've come up with worse titles. Doctor. <laughs> but, so yeah, I mean, it's, and I don't know, you've watched it far more historically than I have. Has this level of continuity always been a piece of it? I mean, it seems, it's, this is pure speculation. It seems like something that may have been bolted on since Doctor Who's real origin was... As a, I mean, the show's origin was as a kid's show to teach him history and shit. Um, it, it became, I think, on the level of sort of serialized storytelling that it's at now, probably by about John Pertwee. Um, I mean, and they've just sort of ramped up in terms of they have, you know, a consistent core group of characters that the doctor can draw upon so you've got your unit you've got your classic villains and assorted aliens she looked me in the eye and said you've got your unit yes miss i do (laughs) gonna take a little getting used to me constantly able to see each other um i say unit you say dick i i don't (laughs) (laughs) is this a call and response now no i just uh not surprised where your mind went. <laughs> anyway, levels of continuity. Uh, so, you know, I think especially as you head towards that, you've got you've got somebody brand new in the role of the doctor, and you're wrapping up the first season for that actor. It makes sense, I think, if you're Moffat to go to the well and bring out a classic villain or two in order to establish comfort levels for the fans rather than going in a completely different direction and busting out a new villain Yeah, no, at, I, as I, your wrap-up. I don't in any way disagree with you. Even at this point, just having been watching since 2005, there's a certain level of comfort there. And, okay, the Cybermen, I get that. The Master, um, who was it who played the Master in the earlier... Uh, it was the dude from Life on Mars. Sim. Last name is Sim. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll never think of his first name. We'll we'll find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> until I forget to do that. But um, even those episodes, it feels like... How many times have we seen the Cybermen since 2005? I think the first time we see the Cybermen is, um, at, is, is in Tenant's Run. I mean, the first time we see them for for like in the new bo- new rebooting of the series. Okay, that wasn't part of Eccleston's. I know the Daleks were in that. The Daleks were were in Eccleston's, um, fairly fairly early on. Okay, 
And then I think the first time we see the Cybermen is Tenant with Rose. Okay. And that was, I think, near a season finale also. Okay. Well, that was the Dalek Cybermen invasion. Well, and it would make sense to dig those out you know, again for your big events. It's the story. It's the storyline that ends up sending Rose to the parallel universe. Okay. And um, it's also actually the episode, I believe, that introduces um, the actress. She becomes Martha Jones, even though she's not Martha Jones in that episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a few times. Yeah. And so yeah, there was a certain level of comfort even as a newer viewer with all right I, I know what these are and i know what the stakes potentially are the master uh has not really hooked on me because he's only appeared like twice since and, and i don't think he has the same level of meaning for you that he does for some of us that that are fans that go further back into the older yeah i mean series. wasn't he a neo-nazi or something <laughs> he was the first time i remember seeing him he was um a decrepit, just uh, mishmash of awful special effects costuming because he was out of regenerations and was literally rotting away. They had him in this kind of cloak with like a, a hood to it and his face was all fucked up. Um, and he had a a clock, like an old grandfather clock that was his TARDIS. And... <laughs> Man, Flava Flaves let himself go. Flava Flav looked marginally better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold statement. <laughs> I stand by it. Um, and then later on, he figured out how to body swap, and he took over the, the body of one of the current characters, Nissa, who Jim gets all hot and bothered over, um, <laughs> her father's body. And that's where he starts to get his body back. Okay. And then later on, he's granted regenerations um, by the... Uh, Gallifrey and High Council. I think that's by about Colin Baker's run. I was just talking since 2005. You've gone... <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember any of this shit. Um, but then in terms of current storyline, they... He chose to, I believe, or possibly the Gallifrey and High Council chose to, bring him back as a warrior for their cause in the, the war against the, the Time War with the Daleks. But then he is sent to the farthest nether regions of, of the universe with what remains of the human race. And he has one of those weird compass or uh, pocket watch things like the doctor has is sort of a, a MacGuffin that makes you human and not detectable as a Time Lord. And he's in the body of Derek Jacobi, which I, I got a huge thrill, thrill out of because Derek Jacobi. And <laughs> I'm sorry, you lost me at he was the master of the nether regions. <laughs> <laughs> Again with your dick. Jesus. <laughs> You said nether regions, <laughs> not me. Um, and then at the end of that, he he reveals and regenerates, and then he becomes uh, Sim, and is is the master. And okay, but Sim as the master only showed up a couple of times. Um, he showed up at l- more than more than once, <laughs> a couple times, maybe three times, because he he shows up. Um, Near the end of Tenant and who was with him? Tenant and I'm blanking on this because I watched it drunk again last night. <laughs> All right, that's the best way to do research for this show. Obviously, um, but it was it was the episode where he he became the Prime Minister of England, 
and Sac he was he was Saxon, but he was really yeah. a master. So like on a neo Nazi kind of thing, right? Is there, or am I just superimposing Saxon as Anglo Saxon <laughs> master race and some? Yeah, but I, I don't think he was being a, a neo Nazi just for for the hell of it. I think it was he he wanted to take he. he wants to be the master that's that's the name the name is the promise so <laughs> okay um and and his companion was his first lady and by the end of it they they thought they killed him but then somebody took his ring and then later on he comes back um and is at the end of of tenants run or close to it, it with the sound of the drums um <laughs> <laughs> okay Look, you're you're far more versed. Even in the ones that I've watched, you're far more versed in the continuity because you're a lot more. You got a lot more to hang it on than I do. But what, what's interesting about the relationship is that the as it develops, particularly in New Who, um, the the two of them are are flip sides of a coin. They need each other. Um, they're sort of the ultimate foil to each other in terms of one wants to just make everything burn and the other one wants to fix everything and. In this particular episode that we watched, it's Missy who wants her friend back, who who needs the doctor. Well, and you're the one who brought up while we were watching it. There was so much goddamn Joker in Missy. It was in Missy. Well, yeah, in, in but even there was a lot in in the the Sim Tenant relationship. I mean, he he gasses his whole like chamber to death <laughs> yeah, when well, he takes office. I was just thinking more in the characterization of Missy was apeshit crazy oh, yeah. and mischievous and killed the drop of the hat. And bad shit. Yeah, I think the term you want is bad shit. Bad shit is a good term. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Um, the clinical term. You know, and uh, yeah, very much a, you know, I am here to help you, doctor. I'm here to give you what you always wanted. Yeah. Which was very much... You know, a, particularly Scott Snyder's Joker, mm-hmm. you know, and the Agent of Chaos that's straight from Dark Knight. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of Joker going on with this. And I, I don't, because I, I, I noticed it last night and, and drunkenly tweeted about it. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I don't follow you on Twitter. <laughs> I know, geez, unfollow. <laughs> like, um, I, I wonder how conscious the decision to make their relationship sort of resemble Batman and the Joker is on Moffat's part. Actually, well, although the, the other one was under Davy, so this would be, be going back a while. Um, I wonder how conscious, conscious in, in the writer's room this is or how much of it is American comic book fan just imposing other stories <laughs> she has read upon this pre-existing thing that has been important to British <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Media. <laughs> in my case, I'm going to do nothing but impose American stuff on it because that's all I've got. So, yeah, I certainly saw the Joker thing as soon as you said it. So, the the characterization of the Doctor as a potentially power-mad officer, aristocratic type, yeah, that was such a big part of... This season. This season, but this episode in particular. How new is that? Um, Because he had a lot of points on that front in this episode. You know, he, he ordered Danny's activation as soon as he realized I needed, you know, I need the information that he's got. 
he was at least tempted to take control of the army of Cybermen. And he was... <laughs> it, it, it didn't have a handle and a barrel. But at the end of that episode, he had what was for all intents and purposes was a gun, mm-hmm. and he was going to shoot Missy. And as a side note, that was a fucking cop-out to have General Cyberman fucking kill her. <laughs> fucking commit if you're going to put the gun in his hand and say this is the decision he made. You know, yeah, the cop-out decision to say, oh, no, we'll have you know, we'll have somebody else do it so the doctor remains pure. Well, and also I have to be cynical there because it's the master, so she always comes back or he always comes back. So there's going to be some other way this character comes back somewhere down the line. Yeah, but it, it is a storytelling decision. You can say the same thing with the Joker, but if Batman knowingly attempts to put a bullet in his face, you have a very different story than... I Any other bat- Joker falling down a cliff? I don't. I don't disagree. I think. I think that was a, a flaw in the story to a certain degree because they wrote him into a corner, and so somebody. It, it, but it goes back to what Missy had been saying the whole time: like, you have all these people who do things for you. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think as far as that goes, that kind of relationship the Doctor has had with his. Uh, coterie <laughs> cohort of of characters going all the way back in his run people do things for the doctor he's clever he knows what to do but he very rarely has to do shit himself it has only been in more recent runs where he is the war doctor and recovering from being the war doctor where now he's got that extra bit of baggage well but even then there's to me there's a difference between I am upper class and a person ordering you to die and someone to to go back to Batman even though it was against a villain I don't have to save you you know using allowing someone to make a sacrifice is different than you go fall on that grenade yeah I don't I don't think I've seen him in a light where he has made people do that people tend to do that for him without asking that's how you get rose having to have like the the time vortex sucked out of her with a kiss at the end of eccleston's run which is what triggers his regeneration to to tenant yeah um that's how you get captain jack getting finding his way into being the man who can never die because he does something for the betterment of the doctor (laughs) yeah and and dr donna (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that theme fell flat for me this season because I have never seen that characterization in in the Doctor. Well, I think and, it goes to the larger question that the Doctor was asking about himself the whole season. Who the hell am I? <laughs> which is fine, but that direction, I think that was forced. I think it was forced, but I, I they, they go out of their way to, to make the point that it kind of was forced and orchestrated by Missy. Yeah, but to then have it brought up earlier several episodes back by Danny making that observation. Well, I think Danny, I think in Danny's point of view as someone who had been a soldier, this is this was his reaction to this old white guy <laughs> who Possible. is telling his girlfriend what to do. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I, I can I can see where that came from, but yeah, the 
the whole theme of is the doctor, you know, one of the bastards with eagles on his shoulders. I just, I didn't really buy that all the way through. No, but I, I think... I think the corner they wrote themselves into was partially, okay, we have to force this because we've doubled down on it in earlier episodes. But I, th- I think you run the risk of the character coming off like that to a certain degree anyhow because he's the clever guy who tells other people what to do and and doesn't have to do a lot himself. Yeah. Um, and I think in certain... He he doesn't always come across as as being soldierlike because he's got unit who are the soldiers. Yeah. Um, and in other cases, um, he has been more accustomed to being one who gives orders after having been through the time war. Okay. I I can I can see what you're saying, but just now I was thinking in my head the the whole conceit of. We've created protocols, and you're the president now. Really? You think America would put up with oh God, a, no. a double-hearted English alien? <laughs> They'd be screaming for some form of birth certificate. <laughs> That'd be the first thing anybody <laughs> said. God damn it, he can't rule Americans. Oh, please let there be Fox News parody spoofs <laughs> in like the box set for season eight. Like, just <laughs> Is there a Gallifrey, Texas? No, impeach him. <laughs> One thing that happened early in the episode that I really wish they would have explored, and really I, I think it would be awesome if they did, they can't. They just flat out can't do it because Jenna Louise Coleman, by all reports, is leaving the show after the Christmas special. Yes. But that opening gambit of Clara saying, I'm the doctor, that would have been awesome. Yeah. I I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, Explore that all the way down because Clara supposedly has been there from the very first doctor yeah. when he stole the first TARDIS. Yeah, what if she's really the doctor? You know, and, she, <laughs> and she's just been brainwashing these poor fucking dupes <laughs> to go off while she's doing other shit in a like neutered TARDIS to go where she wants and she's dumping them with suggestions and every time one dies, it turns out what she's really doing is getting some other poor dupe and waving the sonic screwdriver in his face, saying, you're, <laughs> no, you're a regeneration. That's why you look different and shit. <laughs> That's awful. No, that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's diabolical. But you could explore, have her not know, have the doctor not know, spend an episode or two on it. That'd be kind of awesome. This is where you need like a, a sound cue on your board from... Um... I, I've, I, <laughs> I, I, I've got the... I've got the one from the American doctor. I have come here to chew bubblegum <laughs> and kick ass. Roddy Roddy Piper would be the American doctor, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. You said sad. I was going to say bitches, man, but that I, was... <laughs> I don't have that one. I do not have that one, but by next episode, uh, by next episode, these will all be fucking gone. Make no mistake. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Anyway, um, where was I going with any of this? Uh... So the, the idea of Clara's the doctor and for whatever reason she's got this front that I, she's constantly using. You know, I, I think that would be an interesting thing to explore, but it would totally probably derail everything. <laughs> well, no, obviously it has to turn out that's not the case, yeah. but why not? All these doctors' memories clearly have been fucked with at one time or another. Yeah. You know, they... Forgot about Gallifrey, remembered Gallifrey existed, remembered they saved Gallifrey, forgot about that for a while. Uh, you know, there was this war doctor that nobody would acknowledge. Nobody seemed to remember Clara. 
right up until it was exposed that she's been there the whole time. You know what? Everybody, why not have everybody doubt where they've been? Yeah, no, that that def- definitely could have been an interesting um, journey to go down. I think it would have required a somewhat more of a nuanced hand than Moffat has demonstrated he's capable of in his tenure. How dare you accuse a man who came up with robot zombies of not being subtle? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you flat out drunkenly called him Marty Noxon. <laughs> we were watching it last night. <laughs> He'll do it sober, too. Like I said, he didn't leave a piece of the wall without something thrown at it. <laughs> yeah, like, ooh, hey, wait, what other derivative thing can I throw at this? Yeah, it's... <laughs> it was like, the doctor said something like, you know... They can raise armies of the undead. Put your weapons away and give up now. Like, no, you need Rick Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why you, you put an American as the president of the world in these protocols. <laughs> we know how to handle the zombie apocalypse. An American uh, who's ironically pr- played by an Englishman. Well, <laughs> all right, we don't do everything right. But, but uh, yeah, throw everything at the wall. Uh, we need Matt Smith. Well, he's busy. All right, just... Uh, Throw a taped flashback on there. Let's make sure everybody knows yeah. that doctor everyone loved. Let's throw him in there. Um, <laughs> let's make sure. Yeah, we didn't forget him. Some girl saying bow ties are cool. It's they who is unceremoniously uh, squiffed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, I'm okay with that because it showed. Yep. Okay. There's potentially stakes here. You know, and although and those were pulled away the minute General Cyberman. Yeah. Yeah. Fired before the doctor could. Brigadier, Brigadier General Cyberman. You, you got to get the whole title right. I don't recognize England's Mickey Mouse military. <laughs> uh, although, the, and I have to go back and rewatch. I feel like uh, the Bowtie character, who's who's Kate's sister, Kate's nerdy sister. Um, I feel like she was uh, the tentacle, the tentacle creature dupe that was left behind. Um, Zygons or something like that. Are you flashing back to Hente again? Because that really disturbs me. No, no. The episode, <clears throat> the episode where um, it, it's it's got it's Matt Smith and and the ward the, the, the three doctors with John Hurt and those guys. Um, uh, time of the doctor. Time I of the doctor. Yeah. Um, I I believe if I remember correctly, didn't didn't the dupe switch places with the sister? In that episode, oh Christ, I don't remember. So I think I think Kate's sister may still be running around out there somewhere, just with tentacle people, <laughs> as one does. But I also could be completely misremembering it because <laughs> I drink. Yeah, it's a, I I don't remember that part at all. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I've only watched it twice. I will say there was a, a very touching moment for me um, when they were flashing back as the doctor and Clara were exchanging their lies with each other at the end um, in the cafe. Oh, yeah, yeah, me me and Danny. Oh, yeah, yeah, me and Gallifrey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, When when the doctor went to the coordinates that Missy gave him and discovered that, no, in fact, Gallifrey was not there. Um, Yeah, well, as the Joker would. Yeah. She lied. She did. Um, That whole scene, I thought, was pretty well played. I did. Um, for, for a couple of yeah. reasons. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, but the, whether he was going to follow through with killing Missy or not before um, Brigadier General Cyber, Cyberman did. Um, <laughs> he, Rear Admiral Cyberman. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. That could be worse. But anyway. Um, 
she she was the last of of his kind. They they were right now in the in the universe, the only two Gallifreyans left. Right. So he had some measure of comfort in so far as okay, she's dead, but Gallifrey's back. And then he gets there and he realizes that now he's he's alone again. Yeah. Um, so if for no other reason than that, I hope they find a way to bring back the master. They will always find a way to bring back the arch villain. They always do. Um, yeah. I liked it in the sense that one of the themes throughout the season that I have liked was Clara becoming more and more like the doctor and more and more ruthless and able to lie, which worked well, well enough at the beginning of the episode where I'm like, no, explore that. That'd be kind of cool. To this one where it's, they're both lying, and I wonder if they both know they're lying, or at least both suspect they're lying. And and they don't care. <laughs> and at, at the very least, by going with the we're both going to lie, it spared us one more Clara, uh, you suck and here's why speech to the doctor, because we had like nine of those this season. Yeah, if we could not have those. Yeah. So, <laughs> Although I'm sure we'll probably get one in the Christmas special. <laughs> well, probably because she's going to go. So yeah, the Christmas special. We're going to get Nick Frost as Santa. That's I, pretty awesome. I like Nick Frost. I think that'll be cool. Can you explain to me what the fuck it is about the English and their goddamn Christmas specials? Why is this always such, I, such a big deal and a one-off thing? Well, There's no Walking Dead Christmas special. <laughs> go back to what you were saying before. The doc, Doctor Who starts life as, as a children's story. Um, and so, you know, what's awesome about Christmas is the, the programming that comes out that's for kids. So if you're a kid, how excited are you every Christmas for the Doctor Who Christmas special? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't think we have anything nearly as analogous here other than peanuts <laughs> or the Grinch. <laughs> you bite your goddamn tongue because I look forward to the Star Wars holiday special every fucking year. That's like saying, I look forward to my whiskey blackout every fucking day, year. <laughs> I swear to God, when I was seven years old and that fucking thing aired, my, my bedtime was eight o'clock. And I was young enough, I didn't know it was shit. Now, my parents let me stay up right up until the cartoon with Boba Fett. And they made me go to bed. My brother and I were screaming. And my mom said, God damn. Damn it, they're going to air it next year. They're going to air it every year. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it never came back. And for years, I resented my mom. <laughs> I resented my parents about that. And then, yeah, in 1998, I was in a college buddy's wedding. And as my gift for being a groomsman, he got me a VHS dub of the fucking yeah. Star Wars still holiday have it. special. <laughs> And now I love my parents, and I'll kill that friend if I see him again. <laughs> so yes, we don't have anything similar here in the United States. Not, not for lack of trying. Yeah, and and not in a like you know here's a new one every year kind of vein. Like when I you know when I say you know um, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know that's the same one that's been airing since 1960 something. Yeah, <laughs> and if they tried to do another Star Wars holiday special, Carrie Fisher would have a hole burned in her nose from the blow. <laughs> She'd just have to shovel up there to get through it. Just the dead eyes on everybody involved in that. Yeah, I, that was. I, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> I, I, I can. <laughs> I don't wanna, but I can. But you know. It's. 
I, I that's the best I, I can come up with. If any of our listeners um, from England wants to chime in on that, please feel free to shoot us an email. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a weird cultural thing where yeah, for the last three or four years, it's like oh, the big Doctor Who Christmas special, and and like I also know Top Gear has one. It seems like a lot of shows have it. It just seems like a it's a thing I have no context for. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we have our Christmas-oriented episodes too, but nobody gives a shit about the very special Christmas episode of the Vampire Diaries. Like, <laughs> God damn it, the Christmas episode of season two of Hardcastle and McCormick was fucking gold, and I'll fight any man who says different. I will take your word for it. <laughs> That's when they went back to the original theme song. Drive, push it. I got problems. Jesus. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I liked Hardcastle and McCormick. I I did too, from what I remember. I'm just curious at this point <laughs> to see if this actually is the end of Jenna Louise Coleman, or if she just saw that Karen Gillan's selfie show got canceled. If she's like, uh, maybe I can stick around another season. Um, I'm I'm sure she'll go on to do something. I mean, Billy Piper went on and did stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, she's good in Penny Dreadful. Yeah, and and um. Martha Jones, actor of Freema Agama, or I probably just butchered that poor one's name. Yeah, well, she was on Law and Order UK. Yeah, but she's she's been in a bunch of things too. Um, I, I, and um, Donna Noble, who the actress who played Donna Noble, um, whose name is escaping me right now, and I will remember as soon as I get off air. Um, <laughs> she had a long and storied career well before she got on Doctor Who, and I'm sure she's doing a bunch of stuff now. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she'll land somewhere, but <laughs> you do not necessarily land when you've been in the genre thing for a while. Catherine Tate, thank you. That okay. sounds right. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I can't see the clock. Can you tell how long? How we've long? been going for about an almost coming up on an hour. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, all right. So, do you want to talk about uh, convergence? I would love to. Um, forty-six minutes. Okay, that's not too bad. Um. All right, so yeah, we talked about Convergence last week and the vast similarities with with Marvel's Civil War that's coming up. Yes. The one thing Convergence has going for it is since it's starting earlier, yes. the, the first week of its April 8th, we're actually getting some honest-to-God details of some of the series that are going to be coming out. Okay. So this week, uh, DC announced, yeah, the stuff that's going to have the first issue. They're all going to be two-issue miniseries, um, but the first... First week's first issues, which drop on April 8th. So, want me to just go through them? Sure. All right. So, uh, first one's Superman. Uh, It's going to be written by Dan Juergens with uh, art by Lee Weeks uh, and Dan Juergens and Norm Rapmond. Uh, All we got are like bullet points of what the stories are. So, we still don't know who all the antagonists are or exactly how this is going to play out. But yeah, the basic story to recap from last week is... Brainiac's been out there grabbing people and events and bottling them up from various universes throughout DC history, and they're all going to get dropped on some world to interact. And apparently there's a dome involved. (laughs) Because domes. Because why not dome? (laughs) Dome am good. Um, Thank you, Bizarro. Dome am future. (laughs) Me hate dome. Yeah. What are they going (laughs) to... No, we uh, we took people from the future and then we dropped them off at the Y. That's just stupid. There has to be a dome involved. Um, so yeah, Superman's uh, Superman and Lois deal with the uh, impending birth of their child as he's called in to protect the city. Okay. So clearly we have 
post-crisis, pre-New 52, Superman, still with Lois. Yep. Um, unless somehow it turns out to be the the Superman from Injustice, Gods Among Us, <laughs> which is possible, possible with yeah. all these various universes. There's no reason they can't do that. Um, so, I don't know. I'm sitting here trying to think, do we miss Superman being married to Lois? Um, <clears throat> and I'm honestly not sure if I really care that much. I did when it was like Peter Parker and Mary Jane for some I, reason. You know, I do kind of miss it. I, I I liked the degree to which that normalized um, Superman and and grounded him. Uh, he he is supposed to be you know humanized by his experience living among humans, but the ultimate expression of that is being in a committed relationship with another human. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. I'm not sure. And I think I'm not sure because there was Crisis, which rebooted everything from when I was a kid. Like I said, I felt like I had more invested with Spider-Man and Mary Jane because it was technically, up until one more day, one continuity that I read from the time I was four years old, five years old, until three years ago. So it felt like it was, even though clearly extended Hetland Gone from Cartagena, Mm -hmm. a a progression of events. Yeah, I mean, I, I... I think that things remain in continuity like that for so long because they are such a good pairing that work. Yeah, whereas with Superman, you know, when I was a kid, Lois was still trying to figure out who Superman was. Superman, Clark Kent was a reporter for WGBS working for Morgan Edge (laughs) and Galaxy Broadcasting. Yeah. Um, And then that all went away and it was a brand new continuity when I was like 15 years old. And that's the one where... Superman got together with Lois, so I'm already sort of familiar with... And it's been rebooted. I don't have my entire life invested in it. Yeah. But at the same time, Superman and Wonder Woman, while I like the Superman-Wonder Woman comic, that pairing as a relationship doesn't work for me, and it doesn't work for me pretty much for the reason that you said. Because the only way it makes sense for Superman to be with a non-human is if he identifies as Superman and not Clark Kent. Right. Superman, at the end of the day, goes home and believes, at least in my opinion, that he's Clark. Yeah. Whereas Batman goes home at the end of the day and believes that he's Batman. (laughs) Yeah. He goes to the Batcave and hangs out until he has some obligation yeah. And then he puts on his Bruce face. His suit and yeah, <laughs> goes to be Bruce Wayne and then comes home and goes back to the Batcave. Yeah. Whereas Superman, yeah, and we've seen it over and over again. You know, who's Superman when he's at home? He goes to Smallville and yeah. sees his his well, his mom at this point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's changed though since I was a kid. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean the whole kill bill theory that Quentin Tarantino put out that oh no it's Clark Kent is the mask yeah, I I've never buyed I've, I've never buyed that <laughs> me talk good me, yes we have podcast <laughs> I've never bought that so yeah superman wonder woman doesn't work for me I'm not sure I necessarily have to go back to superman lois I would like to see them revisit it yeah. I, I don't see why they couldn't revisit it and tell it and 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 explore it um but 
I mean, any of these they can revisit, and it, it is part of my comics reading history. It'll be nice to, yeah, for a couple issues, see it, but this or, is not... Or hell, at least, you know, have him go home to a, a school reunion and run into Lana Lane. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's been running into Lana Lang in action comics. Lang, for, yeah. yeah. But my point being that, you know, if you're not going to explore it with Lois, explore it with Lana. Uh, yeah, one way or the other. Yeah, Superman and Wonder Woman... It's, that that should be like you know the really intense relationship you have in college that you think is going to last forever, and then you move on from that shit. <laughs> and now that you say that, if that's how it ends up, you know it's like oh, this is just not who I am. I, I, yeah, I went away to school. I went away to the Justice League, and yeah, if they play it that way, I, I think okay. Ultimately, I will think that whole storyline was successful if they play it that way. Yeah. Yeah, the, you're the chick I hooked up with while I was trying to figure myself out. Yeah, <laughs> you're in my goth phase, you know. <laughs> I wore a lot of armor and dark colors, and <laughs> threw my glasses out so I'd look cool. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I don't have as much of a thing for bustiers and ropes as I thought I did. I, I really have made the decision that that Hootie and the Blowfish concert was a bad idea. Yeah. I thought I liked them. <laughs> Yeah, you're going in a far lighter direction than I was. Really, I'm enjoying Darius Rucker's more country-oriented efforts these days. I'm glad he's going that way. <laughs> more, more cowbell. I, I can't even look at you. <laughs> That's... Oh, God. Here, you did this. You made me do this. I got a bad feeling about this. There, see? Jesus. <laughs> so... All right, so anyway, that that's a thing that's going to be happening. Any of these, there are very few of them where I, I go beyond I don't care. Yeah. So this one is, uh, this will be kind of cool. Um, next one, uh, The Atom, uh, written by Tom Payer, artist Steve Yoel, uh, and Andy Owens. Uh, Ray Palmer finds Ryan Choi is still alive. Mm. Um, together they meet and confront Deathstroke, the man responsible for Killing, in quotes, Choi before fighting the invading extremists. Okay. I don't know who the extremists are. They're mentioned in here two or three times. They're extreme. Well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're all Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> what, what I was thinking, and this yeah, is... Yeah, a lot of pouches, no feet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, there's an E before the X. It's oh. not a big capital X extreme. <laughs> but actually what I was thinking, and this is pure speculation, was based on how... Superboy Prime was the bad guy in Infinite Crisis and was presented as a message board dwelling fanboy who was just obsessed about continuity and angry about it. Okay. The extremist could be some other meta version of the reader who's like a... The bleeding know, cool form? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the pre-New 52 is what we want, so by God, we're going to fight to bring these elements. It's pure speculation, but... I think they may be some other metaphor of us as the reader. Okay. If I'm right on that. Um, uh, I, that that's not outside the realm of possibility, considering what Morrison's been doing with uh, multiversity. So. Yeah. And I was going to say, if I'm right on that, uh, listeners, tell your friends. Clearly, we're better at this than we think we are. <laughs> so, um, This one I'm kind of looking forward to, even though the Atom is nobody's favorite superhero, regardless of the incarnation. Cause well, it, I think they're going to push him anyway because he's somewhat prominent this season at least Palmer is on uh, Arrow yeah 
uh, which could have something to do with it. But uh, to me, the main reason I'm looking forward to this is I always kind of liked Ryan Choi. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think he got a fair shake. I mean, he he was a character who was introduced in the wake of Identity Crisis. Yep. And we may be the only two people on the comics internet who will, <laughs> will defend Identity Crisis and still like it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who just scream, oh, it darkened DC Comics. Yeah, it did. But... Yeah, but there was a lot of dark shit going on anyway leading up to that, so I, I don't think you can hold that solely responsible. Yeah, it's. I, I thought it was generally well executed. It's got its problems, but what story doesn't? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he came out of that. Um, and then, yeah, getting sort of whacked by Deathstroke in, I think it was Brightest Day. That sounds right. And it wasn't even in like one of the main Brightest Day titles. It was yeah. like in a Titans crossover or something. So, you know, it's it's nice to get him, nice to see him get at least one more shot. Yeah. Sort of felt like he was there to plug a hole. Yeah. You know, and it's like when in college you plug a hole with toothpaste and just don't, <laughs> just don't look directly at it. We, we'll figure something out later. Put the toothpaste in it. Now put some whiteout over it. We're totally getting our damage deposit back. Yeah. It <laughs> would have been easier and cheaper to just get Spackle and do it right. But <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it, it'll be nice to see that character again Yeah, at, at least once. Um, all right, next one. Uh, Batgirl writer Alisa Quitney. Okay. Um, yeah, I had to look her up. <laughs> uh, artist Rick Leonardi and Mark Pennington, uh, after a year in the Dome... Because, yeah, not the Y, the Dome. The Dome. Um, Stephanie Brown, not sure she wants to be Batgirl again, but when Flashpoint Catman attacks, who is the finest rapper at the Y, <laughs> Flashpoint Catman. Flashpoint Catman. Um, Red Robin and Black Bat, uh, who is Cassandra Kane. Yep. Um, call her back into service. So, all right, first off, it. It gives readers the pre-52 Stephanie Brown again. So and Cassandra Kane. Yes, but with Stephanie Brown, it means it should be safe to go to DC panels at comic conventions for at least a while. It depends, well, no, it depends on how this story plays out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. people are sending waffles to Dio again. <laughs> yeah. But that's one thing I was going to ask. It's We've heard a lot of people scream at conventions about Stephanie Brown. I've not heard anybody scream about Cassandra Kane. I don't I've know. I've heard some people on the internet looking for Cassandra Kane, um, but not with the same level of fervor that people have been clamoring for Brown. Yeah, and I've never understood that. It's you know, two female heroes, both strong, both had the same goddamn identity. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. As we've established, I'm, oh, well, const I, you know, I'm I, constantly thinking about my dick, so maybe I'm not the right person to ask about this. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm also not the right person to ask about this because Stephanie Brown never did, like, jack for me, frankly, as a character. Um, I found her irritating in pretty much every incarnation. But getting back to your point of people finding Identity Crisis to be sort of like that which made DC Comics be grim and gritty, all one word. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, Stephanie Brown, I, I think, comes out as sort of a, a bright and bubbly point, um, one of the few bright bubbly points in DC. So to have that character taken away... Didn't she get fucking butchered yeah, she, in she, War Games? That's sort of the point, is she was this character that was full of life and energy, even though she made mistakes. Um, she was a she was sort of a happy, lively counterpoint to um, the Batman and all of that. Okay. So you know the way when she's taken out, 
and in the manner in which she is taken out. Okay, I can I can see that. But again, um, I'm not the best person to ask about this because I'm I'm I could give two shits about Stephanie Brown. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, I I read several issues of and and generally liked Brian Q. Miller's Batgirl series. Mm-hmm. So my question is. You've got this one shot, Dan, to, and and that's the series everybody screams about that they they love that series, and it was pretty solid. But you got one shot at this, Dan DiDio. Why isn't Brian Q. Miller writing this? He's still with DC. He's been writing the uh, Smallville it's, series, it's which just ended. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Think about it. I mean, yes, you can have Brian Q. Miller write this, or you can say, "Look, we hired a woman." true <laughs> and like i said i had to look her up she has worked on comics but i think she's done one indie thing when, when it comes to most of her comics work it was just vertigo books mm-hmm. and the last one was 11 years ago what was it uh it was uh something about uh uh destiny of the endless oh, okay um not anything i've read so I mean, at least she's got some comics experience, but yeah, it was a name. Maybe she had a good pitch. You know? <laughs> no, that's possible. But yeah, it's just the the name struck me because I saw it, you know, Batgirl, and my first thought was, yeah, why not Miller? But I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Dan DiDio knows, and he won't return our calls. <laughs> I'm not sure ne- that Dan DiDio knows. Because <laughs> we've never called him. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Crisis on Infinite Midlands. <laughs> The home office is slapped with a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right, so uh, next one, Nightwing Oracle uh, by Gail Simone. Ah, uh, yes, I believe this is the, the one in which uh, Gail Simone has been teasing. There's some some Nightwing cheesecake um, that the artist is going to be putting in there for, for the ladies. Some hot, and whomever. sweet man-on-wheelchair action. <laughs> is your body ready? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, artists Jan Dursema uh, and Dan Parsons, Dick Grayson, and Barbara Gordon reevaluate their relationship under the dome. Wedding in parentheses. Yeah, there's gonna be some some night butt. Night butts. <laughs> Working on some night butts. Write that one down. <laughs> Put a K with it. Night butt. <laughs> we got to make it sound, you know, dark night butt. Ex- ex- <laughs> I'm not sure we need the dark there. We go into a whole different <laughs> realm. But um, So yes, their relationship under the dome. Uh, but Flashpoint Hawkman, who is the hype man for <laughs> Flashpoint. <laughs> um, Flashpoint Hawkman and Hawkwoman attack and everything changes. So Okay. Right, first of all, it's good to see Simone, at least for me, and one more shot with Oracle Barbara yes. Gordon, like she did with Birds of Prey. Absolutely. So that's going to be cool. And she um, writes Nightwing very well also. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's also one of those things, on one hand, you want to say, oh, this is going to be good for all the shippers, but I'm old enough to remember when when Robin and Batgirl were dating in college in Batman family books back in the late 70s. Yeah, so. but this, it's... It... You know, while this is not as tenured a relationship in continuity as some others, it is a fairly, at least in, in newer comics, continuity classic pairing. So it's yeah. nice, nice to see it um, get a little love, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, and at least we'll have a Batgirl who 
isn't pouring down fucking chick shots and solving Instagram crimes. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> hey, it's uh, the new... Uh, I've not read the second issue, but yeah, I'm beginning to suspect that as someone in his 40s, I'm probably not the target audience for the latest Batgirl. Totally solve that crime, totes. Yeah, suck it, haters, with an eight. Lol. <laughs> I will play every fucking clip <laughs> that I have up here if you ever do that again. Hashtag badass. I'll just keep hitting... <laughs> I'll, I'll go straight to this man has no dick, and I'll play it over and over again. <laughs> no, no, no. At least play the George Clooney. <laughs> be cool. <laughs> okay. Everybody be cool. You be cool. You called down the thunder. You fucking got it. You have that as a clip? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> Next week is another week. It is another week. Oh, Yay, it, units of time. Some, somehow, I believe if I do that, we won't even need to connect this to the <laughs> internet. We could just put on our headphones and listen to movie clips because we'll be the only ones fucking listening. That's so, true. Um, so, so yeah, that that one will probably be pretty good. Uh, next one, Speed Force. Not The Flash. Speed Force. Okay. Uh, written by Tony Bedard. Uh, art by Tom Grummet and Sean Parsons. This probably isn't like about a police force on on Dexy, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would totally read that. <laughs> Meth force. <laughs> um, no, it's a, we got Wally West back. Okay. Um, Wally West and his kids separated from Linda, which is bad enough. But when the dome falls, uh, Flashpoint Wonder Woman uh, comes for them. Okay. I really wish they'd have been more specific there because, yeah, we've got the word flash in there. and <laughs> At least it's not come for Bigfoot. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, Regardless of the ambiguity, I miss Wally West. Yeah. I'm going to buy this one. You should. We're going to buy all of them. Let's be well, fair. Uh, yes, we, we probably will. But, but we'll want to read that one. <laughs> but yeah, it, Wally was my flash from the Mike Barron run right after Crisis. You know, it's Barry Allen historically has never had a lot going on. I I miss Wally. Wally yes. always had some depth of character. He he progressed from a selfish punk kid who just suddenly sort of had a million dollars and was trying to stick it in anything the walk <laughs> moved or crawled. And since everybody was slower than him, he had a fair amount of success. <laughs> um uh, up to a family man. That said, what's that breeze? Why do I feel sticky? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that said, the whole Wally's kids thing that they sort of brought in as a way to get him back after Infinite Crisis, and they tried to make Bart Allen the Flash, and it crashed, burned. Yeah. Nobody cared. I think I'm the only one who has all the issues of that series. Your brother didn't take those. No. And he, <laughs> if you see him around the fucking house, you call the police. <laughs> I swear to God, as I, I'm just looking around online and just reading about old runs, I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to have all of Mark Gruenwald's Captain America's. <laughs> I don't seem to have them now. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, Wally and the kids, I don't even remember the kids' names, but it used that as an excuse to bring them back. Um, I never really liked the kids, but... You don't like kids. I don't like kids to start with. <laughs> there, there's a reason we have the, the time and... You know, disposable income to throw around on mixers and doing podcasts. And yes. I don't like most adults, for Christ's That's sake. True. I don't, You're very antisocial. I, I'm not good with people. No. So, <laughs> but yeah, I miss Wally. I'll definitely get this. Probably not going to be the only one. Right. 
this one, uh, maybe you can get this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Titans. Uh-huh. I, uh, Fabian Nicienza. Yep. I always fuck up his name. Uh, artist Ron Wagner, Jose Marzin. Uh, we got Starfire and Donna Troy coming to get Roy Harper, who's gone into seclusion since the death of his child ah. and the loss of his arm. But then Arsenal has to choose between his team and resurrecting his dead daughter. Now, there's a note, because um, I got this list from Newsarama, and their note was that uh, Nicienza says uh, this... Description might not be 100% accurate, but it's the one we got right now. Okay. So I'm interested in that, honestly. Well, it's definitely a bold choice to bring back the Roy Harper from Fall of Arsenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, the one who beat people up because he was impotent <laughs> and was holding a dead cat for about half of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I care all that much about that Arsenal. But um, I, I've missed uh, Donna Troy, so. See... I never cared at all about Donna Troy. It never, ever, never have as a character. It's just hmm. never worked for me. Okay. Um, I like her better than Cassie Sandsmark, so. Yeah, see, I, I I, don't. Okay. I don't care that much about Cassie <laughs> Sandsmark either, but, you know, and it, who was that dude that she was going to get married to in the New Titans? Some dude. Terry, Terry Long. <laughs> yeah. You know, the... <laughs> The Sausage King of Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, that's Abe Froman. Yeah, no, the, the, the one who had, uh, oh, Christ, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, screw it. But, yeah, I just, it never has stood out for me as a character. Okay. It's, I can't think of a reason why. That's okay. So You don't have to like everything. In fact, it's good. It's good to have some dislikes. It helps to more strongly define the likes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to see a Starfire who doesn't... Isn't vapid? It doesn't immediately call to mind a fuck puppet who <laughs> has a memory of a goldfish. And I, b- before people get angry and say, no, you haven't followed up on it, you definitely progress as a character. If you open with that, you, you've kind of tuned me out. Yeah. You know, I, I gave uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws one extra chance, and there was something about invading a uh, a submarine or something. And yeah, it, it, I remember why I didn't like Terry Long. He had fucking Jericho hair. <laughs> that son of a bitch. That curly white man fro. Anyway, um, yeah, they were invading a submarine. <laughs> uh, it's like a part of my brain flared up. <laughs> Might be a stroke. Could be. Do you smell burning toast? Uh, yeah, but it's because I can't cook. Dial nine and one, and let's see what happens. <laughs> um, so, it, so yeah, a more traditional Starfire, but Starfire is another character I don't have a huge personal history with. So, I, I liked her as conceived by um, Perez and Wolfman um, back <laughs> in the day. Yeah, but I, yeah, I I was not a fan of what Lobdell did to her. Um, under under his run, uh, yeah, vapid fuck puppet. That's that's the same reason I don't watch the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Break the internet, <laughs> whatever it takes to not have to. Does that see mean I don't have to people. see any more pictures of them? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to blow up? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, this one, eh, it's a, just based on the description. 
you know, I, I imagine since you clearly have more of a feeling about Donna Troy and Starfire than I do, you might pick this one up. Yeah. I might be pleasantly surprised, but there, there's not a lot of here screaming at me. I'd just be excited to read a, a Titan story that isn't what has been recently. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not been doing a lot for me for a while. Yeah. Of all of Lobdell's books straight out of the New 52, I think it was strongest, but... But <laughs> it, it never did much better than okay with me. It stayed on my polls. Mm-hmm. But so, all right, what else we got? Justice League uh, writer Frank Thierry. Okay, Thierry wrote Space Punisher. Yes, I will give that a try. I think you should. Space Punisher <laughs> was far more entertaining than <laughs> any book called Space Punisher should be. Exactly, so, exactly. Um, artist uh, Vincente, I'll never pronounce this. Cifentes. Okay. Um, somebody drew it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, when Supergirl, Zatanna, and Jade uh, went to Jesse Kicks, uh, Jesse Quick's baby shower, they didn't expect to be taken to another planet for a year or to be attacked by Flashpoint Aquaman. Oh, um, Flashpoint Aquaman! Why are you so angry? So, based on this lineup, it looks like he's bringing back, of all things, James Robinson's mm. Justice League run. Yeah, uh, that had like Monel and. Uh, Donna Troy yep. and uh, almost second stringers. Right. Um, which. Although some of these sound like they're Justice Society. Uh, Jade was. Uh, Jesse Quick. Jess, yeah, but both were also involved in Robinson's Justice League. Okay. Which makes a certain amount of sense. Robinson, at least as he came up with DC, you know, he did the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of. Old school hero is something that was sort of what he made his his bones on. Right. So it makes sense he would take some of them into into his Justice League. Um, again, a bold choice because that's around the same time. Same guy, James Robinson, did Justice League Cry for Justice, <laughs> which uh, is, does not exactly have a lot of love out there in the world. I like, I like the art. <laughs> yeah, and it had its moments, but it also had moments of liberal Green Arrow being yeah. rah-rah for torture. so Yeah, there were problems with that book. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm of two minds on this one. I remember liking the stuff that Robinson was doing, but I can't remember a single specific story from his run other than the very end where it was everybody had left and it was Dick Grayson and Donna Troy being very meta, talking about, do you think anybody will remember our Justice League and the things that we did? That's the only thing I can remember from the whole run. Wow. Um, besides every week going, is this the week that I get to see Jack Knight Starman? Shit. <laughs> so I will never open a James Robinson book without thinking that, including Fantastic Four, frankly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I had to Google that Jesse Quick was even in that Justice League because I too had forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I had to Google that she was pregnant at the end of that run and was losing her powers. So it looks like this might be a direct continuation of that. Cool. From but 2009, then, 10. This is yeah, a similar sort of thing. Although Robinson's no, no longer writing for DC, this feels like a story that they should have let him write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it was such a weird. A weird cast, and some of them were definitely him. The uh, Mikel Thomas, yep, uh, Starman was in it. Mm-hmm. Congorilla, yeah, <laughs> two old characters only James Robinson cares about. <laughs> um, and yeah, they kind of got short shrift, but at the same time, I'm wondering yeah, if they've got him 
being attacked by pre-New 52 Aquaman, is that just another diss on these people? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But yeah, the, all right. So, the big one, we talked about it earlier on the show. Question, Greg Rucka, Cully Hamner, you know, who was the team who did yep. the backup series in Detective Comics. Yep. Uh, Two-Face fighting another, another world's Harvey Dent. It's up to Renee Montoya as the question to help him beat the odds. So yeah, look with this creative team. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and Montoya's <laughs> history with Two Face. They could rewrite the phone book and I would read it. So Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that entire history that was all written by Rucka, this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Um although god damn it, I missed the Denny O'Neill Dennis Cohen question from the eighties. And that was with Vic. Yeah. So it's one of those things I'm not sure they could really do it or would really want to do it with what they've done with Question since the new 52. Mm. And I love what these guys did with the Rene Montoya question. So this is not me saying, you know, oh, I'd rather have this. Can I have both? Sure. That'd be great if I could have both. Write a comic book. <laughs> we've established over weeks I shouldn't be allowed to write anything longer than a dick joke. <laughs> so... But uh, and Den- Denny O'Neill's retired, but he's out there. He could write it. Sure. Dennis-, Dennis Cohen's doing one of these other books. Bring him in. I'm I'm looking forward to this just because I've I've missed Renee Montoya, um, her-, her absence from from DC continuity. So this will I'm I'm glad to see this. Yeah, I've seen things from various writers and editors that say we'll do something with Montoya, but we want it to be the right story. So yeah, it'll it'll be good to see her again. Yeah. And she was a solid question. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it brings us to actually the book Dennis Cohen is working on, uh, Batman and Robin, uh, written by Ron Mars. Uh, Dennis Cohen's drawing it. I think Klaus Janssen's inking it, so it's going to okay. be a good-looking book anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne and Damien have friction with Red Hood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds filthy. <laughs> Rub the Red Hood, Damien. <laughs> Call in unit. <laughs> Uh, before the extremists attack. Um, so the extremists are also figuring here. Apparently, yeah. Whatever okay. they happen to be. Um, and we've talked about this before. I don't give a tin shit in a hurricane about Damian Wayne. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> you know, I've liked what... Uh, who's writing Batman and Robin now? Pete Tomasi? Yeah. I like what he's been doing with having Batman be driven and relentless trying to resurrect him. Mm-hmm. I pray that he ends in failure. I fucking hate Damian yeah. Wayne. Yeah. I, I, I know I was initially meant to the way Grant Morrison wrote him, and I believe that I was supposed to at some point have him grow on me, and I'm waiting for that to happen. That's not going to happen. Well, no, because like he's dead. And <laughs> yeah, again, I, I don't like kids. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean... Bruce Wayne and Damian Wayne arguing, you know, there could be something interesting here, and I just thought of this, um, if the argument with Red Hood has to do with two Robins that Batman has failed, Mm. there could be interesting friction, it says friction on the Red Hood, interesting friction there, but in general... Well, it could be arguments about Red Hood's method because Damien takes a lot of convincing back when he existed as a thing in the world to not kill people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose it's. I don't know. It means it's going to be an entire issue where I won't. I won't not be able to read Damien's part in the voice of Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> no, you'll be able to because well, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. Um, I mean, the reality is I'm going to get this one because Batman and Robin is currently on my pulls, which means I'm going to get it and I'm going to read it. You know, but we'll hope for the best. But seriously, folks, it adds a whole new dimension to it. Take out your old Damien stories, read them all in Stewie's voice. <laughs> Blast you, Pennyworth! <laughs> I do a shitty. I do a shitty Stewie, but um, and yeah, finally Harley Quinn, uh, written by Steve Pugh. Uh, I never, I guarantee, I didn't pronounce that right. Uh, art by Phil Winslade and John Dell. Harley Quinn is enjoying her normal life under the dome <laughs> until Catwoman and Poison Ivy draft her to fight Captain Carrot. Captain Carrot. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. Look, Harley under Qu- the dome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Down by Brainiac. <laughs> uh, look, if Harley's not written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, yeah, it, it's going to be hard for me to get really excited. I mean, other than Paul Dini or Bruce Tim, it's just not. Yeah, you know, not exciting on his face. Might be great, but it's Captain it, Carrot. Yeah, it's going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, and frankly, what's more interesting to me than. The fact she's fighting Captain Carrot is that it says she seems to be living a quote unquote normal life under the dome. All right, if she's the only one got her shit together, that <laughs> might be cool to see. Yeah. There's what she can go back to being a psychiatrist. She's got clients and shit. <laughs> yeah, and I mean with the way she half breaks the fourth wall with a uh, Palmiati and Connors, yeah. wouldn't it be better to have her fight ambush bug? <laughs> No, because basically all I'm picturing here is, you know, Captain Carrot is like the the most cartoony of cartoony characters for the purposes of of the DC universe, um, and and Harley has a big mallet. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll. So it's gonna be like she's fighting bugs with a big mallet. <laughs> I know that's a niche fetish, but that's not <laughs> how I party. So. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll probably check it out just for the dichotomy of fine. She's fighting a cartoon character. Let's let's see how it goes. But. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's what's coming out the first week. Um, so yeah, it's and it's one of those things. It's gonna be interesting to see all these. And the big question that everybody has is: Are any of these gonna make it back? Yeah, back to this. And I'm wondering if that even matters because in last week's Justice League three thousand. We saw cryogenically frozen pre-New 52 Blue Beetle and Booster Gold anyway, regardless yeah. of, of this crossover. Who knows? So, yeah. Um, I mean, are, are they greasing the skids to go, yep, this could really be part of it? Or are we backhandedly learning Justice League 3000 is actually out-of-continuity clones of <laughs> of the original Justice League before the New 52? I don't know. Take it on a story by story basis. Figure out from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, how are we doing on time? Uh, one hour and twenty one minutes. No, oh, jeez. All right, we're we're running long. <laughs> there were four books we're going to talk about. Do you want to uh, try to get through all of them? Or? I don't think we're going to be able to get through all. Of them. I mean, we could, but then we're going to have a, a fairly unwieldy length here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh, 
which of this week's books would you like to discuss? Why don't we focus on, um, you wanted to really talk about Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for one or two particular reasons, and we don't have to go really long on it. Um, so yeah, it's Captain America, Mighty Avengers 1, written by Al Ewing, who was doing the Mighty Avengers book before it got canceled a month or two ago, yep. uh, art by Luke Ross. Now, one of the things that struck me about this, we are right in the middle of the Axis event. Yes. Which, if you read comics, you know what that is. If you don't, you may have read somewhere, probably on the internet, because there are no newspapers <laughs> anymore, um, that, yeah, there's going to be a new African-American Captain America, and the first issue is this week. Yep. So you're not a regular comics reader, but you want to check that out. That's exciting to you. So you walk into your local comic store, not necessarily on Wednesday, but you go in Thursday or Friday when the shelves are a little bit depleted. So you go to see. There's two number one issues. One is Captain America, and if the right number of books have been sold, you look at it, and it's like, that's got a picture of Stephen Colbert dressed as the Falcon on it. I'm not sure that's the book that I want. <laughs> Next to it is Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, and that's also a number one, and yep, that's clearly the Falcon, but in a Captain America suit. That's the one I want. Let me take this book and buy it for $5 or $4 or whatever it was, and read about a new and kinder, more embracing, more inclusive <laughs> Captain America. Nah, that and, story was in Captain America number one. <laughs> yeah, and, and you open it up and Captain America is a fucking violent fascist who enjoys murder. Uh, to be fair. Yeah, or, or at least involuntary manslaughter. To be fair, they, they discuss why that is in a tiny text box on the, on the on the title page of the book. Yes, they do. But it seems... Very weird and very short-sighted to have two Captain America number ones, it amounts to, and have this be a partial introduction to Sam Wilson as Captain America. I, 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 Under the yeah. influence of the Axis inversion, as long as you know that's what's happening, or at least understand that's what's happening, it makes sense, but he's just a wretched, hateful pile of shit. He's not the only one that's happening to that. It's happening to Tony Stark. It seems to be affecting Luke Cage. Well, I mean, yeah, it's definitely having an, an a, a variety of effects. It just it it seems really kind of weird and tone deaf for it to come out exactly the same week. I, I I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. I mean, and the sad thing is, the book is fine. I like Al Ewing's writing. Based on that characterization, he's absolutely consistent. He's supposed to be hateful, and he is. Once again, we got Spider-Man as being one of the few heroes who is not influenced by uh, the inversion effect, trying to deal with Luke Cage. Luke Cage is being a dick, as he's supposed to be. The characterizations are all fine with what they're supposed to be based on this. It just seems like a really weird move with the press you've got of New Captain America to have this be a number one. Have it come out next week, man. Yeah. That's all it takes. I can see what you're saying. But I I think since I I read Captain America, which is still being written by Rick Remender, um, number one first, I, I didn't necessarily find it jarring because at least in that book, he was, he was fine. He was... Yeah. He was still growing into being Captain America. He hadn't figured out how to throw the shield yet. Um, his, 
Roger's adopted son, Ian, who is Zola's kid, um, he was the one that was acting more like a, a prissy diva with fascist tendencies. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that book, just as an aside. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, why don't we move to that really okay. quickly? Um, yeah, it's that one I, I generally really liked. Um, Sam's internal dialogue really helped communicate why he wanted to take on this legacy and do the best he could with it. Yeah. Of course, it did it in very much a tell-don't-show way, except yeah. for like the first page that showed some flashbacks, but it, it generally worked. Um, the action was written, it shows he's still Falcon, you know, and he's using what he knows as Falcon in his favor. You know, he's got Red Wing to retrieve his shield, and to be a forward set of eyes, and obviously the flight. Um, the one thing I didn't like was, I, I did like he had one bad throw of the shield. Yep. I want to see him suck at throwing the shield. <laughs> just be terrible at it. There's no reason he should be any good at it. He just picked the damn thing up. You know, if Sp- Spider-Man could put on all the goddamn chrome cod pieces he wanted, he's not going to pick up Thor's hammer. Right. And I just think... It would be more realistic and add some humor to it of, let me just use this as a shield, because when I throw it, <laughs> I can't go get it, because it never does what I want it to do. I, I think we got a little bit of that off of that in this in this uh, issue, because Ian had to show him how to throw the shield. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I would have liked to have seen it throw it two or three times. It just never works. Yeah. But uh, at least it happened the one time to sort of hammer home, this is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Some good humor in this book. Um, yeah, you know, with, with Steve as his control, saying this is a no frills operation. Are you having frills? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Batrock's fucking banter. Yeah, you know, you have diabetes, you American burger eater. <laughs> <laughs> and he's bemoaning the fact that he's getting like B list Captain America, and he only faced A list Captain America. <laughs> yeah, and my first reaction, as I'm sure a lot of people's were. When they flip the pages, oh, fuck, Batrock, really? Batrock the fucking Leaper? Yeah. But uh, I think it worked, and I think it worked because Batrock pretty much fought Sam to a standstill. Yeah. Sam had to be all but, not just rescued by Ian, Nomad, but Nomad had to basically, no, this is just about a kill strike. Yeah. You know, to save your ass. And then as they further try to escape from Hydra, then the reveal of the room full of uh, Zemo and Crossbones and Taskmaster and yep. Madam Hydra and all the rest. It's like, oh shit, he can barely be Batrock for Christ's <laughs> sake and he's half, a, he's half a joke. It's like when you try to do um, a video game on like easy level and you're still having difficulty with that that first level and then you get through it just barely and then you realize that there's like worse like bosses coming up next <laughs> yeah so using batrock to show exactly where he is on the experience and the being effective level yeah to go straight into that it's like okay i get what remender was doing and uh, yeah that worked for me yeah that said i don't ever need to see batrock the leaper again <laughs> not even in a hostess twinkie ad that's fine uh. but, um so yeah anything else on that one no i just i enjoyed it so it, it 
if you're at your local comic book store and you haven't yet picked up Captain America one, pick that one up before you get Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Well, <laughs> let's face reality. If you've just listened to an hour and a half of this show, you probably know comic books and you're probably going to know what you're picking up when you pick up. <laughs> Again, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers one was a fine comic book. I like Al Ewing's writing. You know, and I think he did just fine on this the way he always does. Yeah. It just really sort of hit me with there's a decent chance people who, if not their first comic book, not a regular comic book they pick up, and this is what they grab, and it's like, this guy's a fucking pile of shit. I'm not reading about this guy again. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, the one one thing I would also want to touch on before we get off, and I guess we're talking about all Marvel books, um, Superior Iron Man came out this week, too, number one. Yep, uh, written by Tom Taylor, who does the aforementioned... Uh, Injustice mm-hmm. uh, books. Yep. This is the first Marvel book I've seen him do. Uh, art by uh, Yildere Sinar. Screwed that up. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> um, this book, I'm also going to be curious to see where it goes. Tony is another character acting um, as part of the... He's being affected by the fallout psychically of whatever the, the hate wave inversion thing yeah. was from the Red Skull. Um, and it's brought out a, a, a sinister side of him that wants to use his you know, futurist genius mind to make the monies. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it comes down to Tony's a fucking douchebag again for like the third time in 10 years. Yeah. This is about as reprehensible as I've seen him. I can buy it. I can buy it because if you think about the really early days of Tony Stark where, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a weapons manufacturer, a profiteer, and a drunk who was probably not self-aware enough to realize his drinking may be causing him to make, make choices. bad decisions. <laughs> but, but I mean, this characterization is a hell of a one to come back from because he's basically dealing drugs. Yeah. Extremis is a performance-enhancing drug of a sort. Um, he's admitted he's observed that access to Extremis is causing people to act violently. Yep. Yeah, at least toward people who are not on extremists. So it's either the extremists is doing it, or people are just douchebags and now just about have superpowers. It, yeah, it it reveals their inner douchebag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing I'm interested in is how the fuck does the extremist app work? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I recently reread Warren Ellis's original arc, and the way the serum worked was it went in and rewired the repair center of your brain. Mm-hmm which forced your brain to say, oh, no, your body is broken and needs to be rehealed into this new interesting way. I think it's some sort of nano thing. Um, and if you have the app on your phone, then you can activate it. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Because I was thinking the only thing it could be, it's got to be either visual that somehow hacks your cortex or audible. Yeah. And if it's audible... Daredevil should be fucking jacked. (laughs) So, yeah, either I missed how that's happening or I'd like to hear it explained. But, and yeah, while I kind of like the the final reveal of somebody in what amounts to the Mark II Iron Man armor from like when he was first in the Avengers, we've kind of seen earlier armor used as a way to get around technical problems or... So the question is, who is who's in it? Is it Rhodey? <laughs> Rhodey's sort of the obvious answer, but I don't know. It's a decent enough mystery. I'd say it's a decent enough mystery as long as it doesn't turn out to be Rhodey. 
Yeah. If it's roadie, that's kind of obvious. Right. But, so yeah, it was not bad, but uh, I'd like to see some stuff answered, and it's really going to be a hell of a thing to see how they rehab him from this. I mean, it took Matt Fraction 18 months. And ultimately <laughs> having him mind wipe. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Fraction's doing well enough on sex criminals. I don't think Axel Alonso is going to be able to haul him back for another year and a half. Right. Oh, yeah, maybe they'll throw it back to Kieran Gillen or something. Yeah. All right. How are we doing on time? Are we? Oh, we are. We are at like one thirty. So. All right. It's probably good enough. Want to wrap it up? We should wrap it up. Just one quick thing. Uh, Hawkeye versus Deadpool. That was fun. That was fun. Jerry Dugan's been doing really good stuff lately. This and Nova and Deadpool. This is another good one. Speaking of of characters who suddenly act um, out of character. Yeah. So. <laughs> Another fun one we were going to talk about, but yeah, we're at an hour and a half, so we should probably wrap it up before the cat destroys everything that we own. So He probably already has. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too late, but <laughs> all right. So, yes, don't know where you found this show, but you can always find us at our home website, which is crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are active on Twitter. At Infinite Midlife. Thank you. I'll remember that some. No, I'm, you won't. I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> Um, we are also, uh, on Facebook. We're not really active there, but uh, we certainly respond to messages there. You can get a link to that, uh, off of our website, off of our website. Uh, if you happen to find this on iTunes, uh, you know, do us a favor, check us a review, uh, give us a rating, you know, despite our capital improvements in our recording technology, when it comes to our show format, we are really making this up <laughs> as we go. So, yep. so yeah, we you know, we like getting feedback and engaging with listeners. So we do. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Uh, um, may find us anywhere else besides a local bar. Uh, local bar. You can find us at the local bar. So, all right. So yes, this has been uh, episode forty-two of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and uh, and Derp. Not the man I knew ten years ago. It's the mileage. It's the mileage. <laughs> I swear I'll never do that again. Uh-huh. <laughs>